Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If you're ready to increase your confidence in conversations and conflict, deepen your self-awareness, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship with yourself and other humans you care about, and even those you wish you didn't, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. Hello. Glad you're here. If you're coming back because you've heard something you loved before, welcome. If you're brand new, welcome. This is fun. It's a great place to ask questions. It's a great place to be validated for what's going on in your life. And today I'm really excited because I have Jennifer Hervitz with me. She is a ball of fire. We're going to find that out in just a second. Welcome to the program, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yay. (laughs) Well, Jennifer and I have been friends now for coming up on a year, and she is just going at great speed. She has a book called um, One Happy Divorce. It's a little novello and lots of fun, and she turned that into a podcast called Doing Divorce Right, which is exciting, and so she's a best-selling author. She's got all kinds of credits happening. Let me tell you a little bit about her. That One Happy Divorce is the winner of the Best Television Episode Screenplay Award at the Atlantic Comedy Film Festival. See, qualifier, told you. And uh, it's a TV pilot based off her blog, The Truth Hervitz. (laughs) And Jennifer's readers describe her as raw and in your face, and they're right. So she's thrilled to have that first book out. She's got a new book coming out called Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda. And you can find her at jenniferherbitz.com. So Jennifer, you know how to spell that, but H-U-R-V-I-T-Z.com. And you can find her books on Amazon and Warren Publishing. And you find her podcast wherever you love to get podcasts. So let's talk about what ever happened in your story that led to you to write One Happy Divorce? Oh my gosh, where do I start? Hi, I'm so glad to be here. First of all, thank you, Roberta, for having me. You're like one of my favorite people in the entire world. So to, ha- to be here is just, I mean, I just thank you, first of all. That's oh, awesome. I'm delighted. Oh, thanks. Okay, so where do I start? Let's think. Well, first of all, I want to say um, I'm not pro-divorce. I think sometimes the title of my book throws people because One Happy Divorce, I think, some people think that she's just all about getting divorced. That is not true. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Um, I'm not pro divorce. I'm pro marriage. I believe that if you know you should stay married and, and work on it. I mean, obviously, if you need to get out, get out. But um, pro marriage, as long as you can work on it, do it. Um, but if you have to get divorced, and divorce is un- in- inevitable, that you should um, do it right and do it with grace if you can and dignity and you know self-respect and um, be amicable if you can. So kind of what happened with me is my ex-husband and I, well, my now ex, kind of, you know, looked at each other one day after 12 and a half years of marriage and said, what are, what are we doing? What are we doing? This is, this is not working. This is not a happy household. This is not, um, we're, we're not functioning on anywhere healthy. This is not whatever. And it's going to get really bad. It's going to get really bad if we don't do something now. And um, let's just, let's end it before it gets horrific, before one of us does something dastardly. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know what? And, and we did, and we decided to do it right. 
Um, and we did, and we, we did it with, I think, as best as we possibly could. And um, that's where the book came from, One Happy Divorce. And here I am. <laughs> Your story. Yeah. Well, you know, you bring up an interesting point because I think many people have that conversation. They look yeah. at each other and say, what are we doing? Yeah. yeah. yeah we do. um, but then they take the step to say, okay, can we fix it? Mm -hmm. Did you take that step? Well, I'll tell you, that's from, that's my second book. Um, we did, we did a lot of therapy. Um, we worked on it and I think, I think so, so crazy, but I think looking, looking back, Right now, if I knew then what I know right this minute, what a famous phrase. <laughs> That's my second book, What a Coulda Shoulda. You know, I think we we thought at the time we were doing, we did all the work. I don't think we did. I think we could have done more. I think we could have done more. Um, so that's that's the thing. I, it's one of those one of those woulda coulda shoulda moments where you just say to yourself, "How much is enough?" You know, I think it takes two people, and I think maybe I think maybe I wasn't as um, I think I could have done more. I think I could have done more, but you know, it is what it is. It's one of those moments where you say, yeah, there's a moment when you just like, this is going to fall off the edge of the turnip yeah. truck. And so am I. So yeah. I'm going to take and make a decision Yeah, and you do that. But I just want to revisit the fact that you think I could have done more yeah. because what I find with working with couples and I do that with couples all over the world is that, you know, there's fear like, mm -hmm. um, Am I making a mistake? Am I the one who's who's creating this? And there's blame. Like, yeah. you know, I, I always joke, Jennifer, that people come when I used to have an office. I mean, now I work this way with video yeah. conferencing, but they would come in and I could see the, the balloons over each of their heads. And <laughs> the balloons said everything would be fine if changed, right? right. <laughs> you know? right. And, and so we have to start from that premise that right. people need to feel right within themselves right. and know that the other person has a problem. And then we have to work to that. Well, it is possible that you have a we problem and those we problems may be stemming from individual me problems. Right. right. Maybe we need to, to do some right. work on all that. What's so funny, Dr. Shaler, you know, I, at the time I couldn't, I couldn't take blame. And I, I think that during that, you know, separation period when we both were, we, we, each of us was like, you know, we, we weren't there yet. And now looking back four years out of my marriage, I'm like, oh my God. And I actually remember the aha moment, you yeah. know, that I had where I said, oh my God, I really, I owe him an apology. I can remember picking up the phone. I was at Camp Powerment, um, this amazing kind of women's empowerment camp, um, you know, and I, and I said, holy crap. I, it was me. I had something to do with this. You know, when I picked up the phone, I found myself, I was in the mountains and I called my ex Mark and I said, Mark, I owe you an apology. I actually had a lot to do with this, you know? And he said, Jen, don't beat yourself up. You know, we made mistakes, we, whatever, but I think that's growth. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. I had the growth four years out of my, <laughs> four years too late. Right. So what it could have, should have. And I think if I would have learned those things a little bit sooner, where would I be now? Look, I'm not, you can't go, I mean, you can go back, but I'm not, I don't want to go back, right? I learned those things. I'm taking them into my next relationship. I'm in a healthy, you know, I, I love my boyfriend. We're, we're in a good place. But luckily, I was able to learn that now, you know. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people that I know that I work with, my clients and my, that I'm coaching, are still really angry. Um, they're real bitter. They can't go, they can't accept anything. They can't, maybe that they're hijackles. <laughs> they need you. Um, you know, it's hard. They can't, they can't say, they're sorry. They can't take any ownership of what they did during their relationships. Um, 
I guess I'm lucky that I could. Mm -hmm. And then you had a partner who was willing to talk things through. Like many times what people find is that, especially if they're with a hijackal, is that going to get help is difficult to get the person to do. And when you do get help, if you're with a hijackal, and for those people who have never heard this podcast before, (laughs) let me just say that a hijackal is my trademark term for people who are relentlessly difficult, and they fall into this definition. Hijackals are people who hijack relationships for their own purposes and then relentlessly scavenge them for power, status, and control. So if you're with a person who behaves that way, they're not going to take any blame for anything because everything was your fault. It was your fault throughout the relationship and it continues to be your fault. Um, However, when people are not in relationship with a hijackal and we can allow ourselves to be in a safe place with somebody who's a professional like myself and you slowly begin to come to a place where you can say, all right, I can breathe here and I am safe and there's not going to be a whole lot of conflict that is created in a negative space. They can begin to reflect on, could I do something differently? Or is it possible, even a tiny bit possible that I contributed to this muddle? Right. And then I feel like if I would have met you (laughs) or someone, (laughs) you know what I'm saying, someone like you that did I just have the wrong therapist? Did I just have the wrong idea? What? Yeah. And so I, you know, of course, what it could have, I keep saying that, but like hindsight is twenty twenty. So I do feel like the work you're doing is so important, Dr. Sheila. And I feel like it's just, that's why I wrote my second book. It's that if you could just, if you had that little glimpse of that glimmer of hope, try mm-hmm. so hard to save your marriage because you don't ever want to be a woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? You don't want to ever look back and say, oh my God, what did, what did I do? What did I do to my kids? And it's not that I've guilt or, I mean, everyone, I think divorce in general, divorce causes a lot of guilt, right? But um, I just hope that I can, in the, in, you know, by, by talking like this, having conversations like this, you can say to married people or people that are get, thinking about it, think a little bit harder. (laughs) (laughs) Or work work a little bit. Work a little bit harder, right. right, You know, and open your heart a little bit more. Open your mind a little bit more. It's not a terrible thing to say, hey, I don't know how to do relationship very well. Because you didn't not get that because you chose not to get that. You got that from your past. Right, right. And so there's no blame in that. Right. But the moment that you wake up and say, oh, there's a better way. That's the moment when you can learn and you can open your heart. So, you know, I agree with you because you say doing divorce right in your podcast. And I've, it's been a great pleasure to be your guest on that podcast and everybody, you know, go listen to it. It's great fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, you know, there is a wrong way to divorce. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah, there, there really is. And when you're with a hijackal, of course, you know, it's, you're going to be wrong anyway. but I'm talking about non-hijackal relationships here. You, if possible, you want to work through the issues with the person you have the issues with. Otherwise, you're going to bleed all over the people who didn't cut you. you right. Know? Oh, my God. That's such a, that is such a good analogy. Absolutely. Because, oh, please, yes. I mean, I totally agree with you. It's, yeah. You've got to, the fight is with the person you're fighting with <laughs> or the <laughs> exactly. argument, right? I mean, yeah. 
so resolution with that person, mm -hmm. understanding with that person, maybe some growth points with that person. So even if you do decide to divorce, you're going to be able to communicate better without okay. blame, without trying to hurt each other, right. without um, bringing up history all the time. Oh, you know, I call it banking. <laughs> banking, going back in the bank and taking something out again. That's right. <laughs> like, and no banking. Stop that. <laughs> That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. And I call it, you know, putting the snowballs behind your back. Right. Because you just, anything they they say or do becomes ammunition for you to use it against them later. Right. Yeah, it's not fair. And I do, no. I find myself doing it. And I'm like, Jennifer, check yourself because it's not fair. It's not, you know. No. Right. It's yeah. not fair. And it's also not fair to the children who are watching. So let's talk mm -hmm. a little bit about children, mm -hmm. Jennifer. Yeah, and remember, favorite. everybody, you want to learn more about Jennifer, go to jenniferhervitz.com, jenniferhervitz.com. Um, so there are children involved. And when yes. there are children involved, remember from the moment that they drew breath, they are watching you and your partner. They sure are. They are these little sensory bags of absorptive energy that are just taking everything in without any language. So they're heart. watching. <laughs> and and they have this um, thing that human babies have, which is we're not like cows and sheep. We don't get spit out of our mothers and licked off, and then we leap up and jump around the meadow. Could you imagine? <laughs> they, these are little people who know that they're blobs that they need those giants to feed them and move them and tidy them up and take care of them. And so they start watching, watching how, what are these giants? Who are they? How do you do it? How do you keep them happy? And you've got all this going on. That's all stored. Absolutely. That's stored information. <sighs> and that's who you become. And then you live by that. And especially if it was your first marriage that we're talking about, You've been through brain development, which goes on till we're 25 years old before we have a fully formed brain. Oh, don't don't get us, me started, my teenagers. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah, hire them quickly while they know everything, right? But the brain is not fully functioning. And, and you don't you tell them, you know, I, I actually worked with a um, mom and her son. And he actually was quite interested that it was possible, he's 16, possible that his brain wasn't fully developed and he might not know everything. Really? Because can you have my 16? You need to talk to my 16 year old who says to me while he's driving the other day, Mom, I've been doing this forever. Like, I'm so good at it. And I was like, Jonah, you've been doing it for all of 24 minutes. hours, yeah. right? 15 minutes. I'm like, please, honey, slow down or your dad's going to take that license away from you. He's as he's got his lead foot against, oh. <laughs> yes. So, you know, it, it, all of these things are in there. So whatever happened between you and Mark mm -hmm. is in, imprinted in your kids. Yeah. And this is why as they get more and more verbal, it's important for us to talk with them about the things Which that I got do. imprinted and impacted. Right. So have you found a way to talk to your boys? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I think it's really important too. you know, um, when we decided to get separated, my kids were completely shocked because we, we made it a, a pact while we were married. We made a pact not to fight in front of them. So we took it outside on the porch. Our neighbors probably were like, what are they doing out there? Um, and, you know, we did a lot of text fighting, which is so strange. But like Mark and I would text and we'd fight because we didn't want to fight in front of the kids. Mm -hmm. So when my kids heard, you know, we told them we were getting separated. They're like, what? They were shocked, which is 
strange because, you know, how do you, how do they even process that when mom and dad don't fight? I mean, we had a peace table in our house where we'd go to the peace table and we'd talk at the peace table. I mean, this is like the strangest thing for them. So it was really tough, a really, you know, um, but I asked my boys and while I'm writing my new book, I asked them recently, did I make the right choice? You know, did I guys, well, what do you think? And they're like, mom, yeah, you made the right choice. You and dad had to do this to get along. And I was like, wow, like how insightful is that for a 16 year old and a 14 year old? And then Zach added, and have you heard dad snore? Have, you know, and he was like, Mom, you could never have lived with that. He snores, you should hear him. I'm like, <laughs> I thought it was so funny. So, you know, like those kind of things, I just feel like talking with your kids is, you're right, it is so important. But negative talk does the same, you know, there's no such thing. Negative talk is horrific. You're horrific. It's awful. You cannot negative talk about your ex in front of your kids. Oh, your no. no, I mean, we've talked about this, right? You're, you're doing such a disservice to those babies. I don't, whatever comes out of your mouth please do not talk negatively about your ex. It is the one thing that I tell my, you know, my, when I'm coaching my clients, you've got to get it together and check yourself because you're talking about your kids. It's a piece of them. Your ex is a piece of their, those kids. So every Mm -hmm. time you're bad mouthing your ex or negative or speaking negatively about your ex, you're talking about those boys or those Mm -hmm. girls, right? Your daughter, Mm -hmm. please. I I can't even, it just drives me nuts. So, you know, it's one of those things. And it's hard. It is. It's hard because you're hurt and it's because you want to justify what happened. Yes. Yes. And yes. And those boys are are the girls or children of any age are 50% the DNA of the other person. So when you make the other person wrong, you're making them wrong. Right. And it's so important to understand that. I'm so glad that you brought that up, Jennifer, Mm -hmm. because it is hard. It's so hard. Divorce is so hard. It is so you know, it is, but marriage is hard. I think relationships in general, we've talked about this too. They're difficult. They're all difficult. So if you're going to put work into your marriage and you're going to put, or you're going to put work into your divorce, wouldn't you rather put work, work into your marriage first? <laughs> you know what I'm Well, saying? I hope you would. Yeah, I hope so too. I hope so too. Especially if you have children. Oh, please. Because yes. that's where the growth point is. Yeah. You have history together. And if you can come to a place where you can speak well together, as I said earlier, that it's a safe place for you to Absolutely. speak well. And that there are ground rules, you know, um, yes. very, very important. And then you can have new insights. You can relax a little bit and say, Mm -hmm. oh, yes, I know when this problem started. Well, here's what was going on within me. Here's what's going on now. Now we're different people. But that was underlying the difficulty all the time. And so you you get greater understanding of each other. And if it's possible then with that understanding to develop some new ways of being with each other, it can be like this wonderful new beginning of possibilities. Right, right. I just wish that I would have, you know, would have, could have. <laughs> I wish I would have gotten there sooner. So, and that's why people say to me, well, I can't believe that you're supporting marriage or divorced. And I hear that from this new book. I Listen, you know what? I'm allowed to support marriage. Of course. You yes. Know oh my gosh. I mean, like people are like, I can't believe you wrote a book about divorce and now you're writing a book about happy. Of course I have both sides covered. <laughs> Well, you know, it's not a dichotomy. No, of course, no. You know, when people say to me, well, divorce is a failure, I say, oh, no, 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 no. Please don't say that. Divorce is not a failure. Mm -mm. 
it is a growth point. It is an understanding. It is a next best step for many people. Yes. It's I'm not who I was when we got married. I don't want to be that person anymore. If you can't accept who I am right now or I can't accept who you are right now, it's better for us to part. Right. You know, we have some very strange entrenched cultural ideas about marriage. I agree. I agree. And you know, if someone looks into the history of marriage, it used to be just to join mm -hmm. chattel together and property together. It had nothing to do with love until I think the 11th or the 12th mm -hmm. century. Um, like you didn't even know the person you were going to be hitched to. And hitched was mm -hmm. a point because as a woman, you were like a horse being hitched to somebody else's hitching post <laughs> um, and you may not know them you may not like them anything but it was the bringing together property or the money or whatever that had to happen and the idea of romantic love was introduced you know in those times 12th century around there that actually you might find someone you liked and gravitate towards them well for us to realize that when our brain and our understanding of life allowed us to gravitate toward one human at a certain stage in our life, and we endeavor to grow together, and of course we grow at different rates, so you know there can sure. be a lot of shifting in there. Uh, and if we don't use somebody like me or you know somebody who will work with you then you don't have anybody to see it. And I talk about it this way, Jennifer, is in a relationship, you're two fish in a fishbowl. And you can see each other, but you can't see the water and you can't see the bowl. So if you go to someone who can see the water and the bowl and the surrounding areas and has seen a whole lot of fish in their life, <laughs> then they can say, hey, let me shortcut the journey for you. Sure. And it's wise to do that. But many people don't do it until they're in trouble. Right. And they, I, oh my God, I was just going to say that. You, a lot of people wait until it's almost too late to get the help that they needed, you know, or not even help. But I think I, I'm such an, like a strong advocate of, of, of therapy or the whole time, you know, like, let's start. Why, why wait? Why wait? Yeah. Get better skills. Get yes. to know yourself yes. better. Yes. Learn yes. to express yourself in deeper yeah. ways. Get in touch with what's happened to you and how it could be affecting your relationship. Right. Well, I, mean, I would love that everybody cared enough about themselves to say, I need this. Now, I'm going to tell yes. a little story because I think it's pertinent here. You know, back in the days, I, I had my children and I was raising them alone. So then I was single for a long time and I didn't have much money. And of course, with three kids and, I, you know, I was awarded $120 a month in, in child support. Yeah. Woohoo. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. How you, I don't know how you did it. I so I, I had just enough money that I would pay for after school care on Friday afternoons so that I could go to this particular watering hole where other professionals <laughs> went and have some it. like adult time, right? Yes. As you deserved. Yes. Yeah. So I would go and inevitably someone would say, well, what do you do? And if I mentioned the fact that at that time, you know, oh. I was, I was a psychologist, they'd go, Oh no, not on a Friday afternoon. You know, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> So I thought, well, you know, I've got to find a way. And I think it's really pertinent to our conversation here, yeah. Jennifer, because what I did was when people asked me, what do you do? I say, could I ask you a question first? And they would say, okay. And I say, well, do you have, what kind of car do you have? 
And, you know, a guy would say, well, I have a BMW. And I'd say, great, do you, what do you do when it breaks down? Oh, I take it to the BMW guy. I said, why don't you fix it yourself? Oh. He said, well, I don't know how. I said, well, why don't you learn? He said, well, I'm an attorney. <laughs> I said, well, so attorneys can learn how to fix BMWs. Why don't you do that? No, I'm not interested in fixing BMWs. I'm really good at being an attorney. Sure, I said, sure. okay, ask me what I am. So the guy would say, all right, what do you do? Uh -huh. And I'd say, I'm a life mechanic. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Perfect. Right? Like you yes. you don't think anything of badly of yourself for taking your car to get fixed. Right, right. Why don't you work on yourself? Right. That's such a good one. That person right. that you take it to has made a life work of BMW fixing. Right. So why wouldn't you pay all your attention to being an attorney and then say, when my relationship isn't working, why wouldn't I go to a life mechanic? Right. And, and get that fixed. So I think that strong people who understand the fact that we have, you know, I don't, I don't fill my own teeth either. I don't no. think many Could people you imagine? Do. No. Right. But here's a, can I ask you a question? Do you think it's, I'm not sure, but do you think it's a, a male, female thing? Because I've dated many men who refuse to go to therapy. They're like, oh no, it's not for me. But women are like, all day long, I'm like, my friends and I were like, oh, I'm going to my therapist. I'm going to my therapist. We don't have a problem. We're like, oh, I've got my life coach today and I've got my this coach. I mean, I'm all about, if I can get to my therapist, I'm like, done. You know, I just feel like it's, it's um, I feel better. I feel like validated. It's self-care. Like, it's self-care. I feel like my person, I need it. It's complete. Someone sitting there going, Jen, you know what? You got this. Yeah. But for some reason, is it, do you think that's a male, female thing? Or what do you think in your opinion? Well, I think women are more open to going uh, yeah. because they like to talk about feelings in relationships. Yeah, 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 Men are, are more reluctant to talk about feelings because, first of all, it means that for some of them, they avoid getting in touch yeah. with them. Yeah. And they're well accultured to not get in touch with their feelings, trying right, to right. press on and yeah. get it done. And, and so, yes, it's, it's a bit more foreign to them. And there's a little more fear involved. Yeah, yeah. But there are so many evolved men who will say, "Yes, let's go and let's yeah. go and get some help." And right. I think we all need to evolve to that place where I think so too. Now where we can, we can do that. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting to hear you talk about. Okay, I learned a whole lot by being divorced, and what it allowed me to do is to say here's what I really learned from that that would help people stay in their marriages. I hope so. <laughs> no, I, I think for sure, you know, and you're coming from the point of view of the user, right? Right, right, exactly. I, I am the person, you, you're saying, I am the person who went through this. Yeah. I saw it help. Here's what happened to me. Here's what I learned from it. Yeah, you don't want to go there, right? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Let, let me just say, hey, I'm the person who's sitting at the lunch counter next to you, and here's my experience. Yeah. I mean, that's it. You know what? I'm like, if anyone can tell you how not, I mean, this is it. You want, if you want a divorce person telling you what divorce, you know, it's almost like um, I use an example in my book of a uh, male obstetrician telling you what it feels like to have a baby. <laughs> right? <laughs> Because like he, he can tell you all day long, you're going to need drugs, you're going to have to push, you're going to have to do this and he, right? But he doesn't really know what it feels like because it's never come out of his vagina. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So oh, I do. Yeah. yeah. I once went to a women's seminar in Vancouver and actually- oh, I love Vancouver. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that's where I'm from. And- um, Oh, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, I was born on Vancouver Island. That's my favorite so, place. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's where I'm from. But, you know, my girlfriend who I walked with every morning, she was like all enrolling me in this women's seminar, and I'm not one to be enrolled. And finally, she said, you just have to come. So I thought, all right, I'll go. So I went. And, I, you know, I had my therapist hat on, and I'm like, mm, I don't know about this. Well, at one point, it was supposedly run by a woman, but okay. the most important day was run by her husband, and it was very self-serving. So at one point, he's doing a visualization, and you'll love this, Jennifer. We're doing this visualization, and he's saying, you know, now take yourself into your uterus. <laughs> I had just had enough, and I said, blurted right out, I don't have one, and neither do you, right? <laughs> and... <laughs> I, I, you know, and of course it was. But I mean, how can he do that? But how can he do it? Like, that's my thing, right? I mean, no, he, he couldn't. No, he can't say that. He has no uterus for, no, he can't. It, no, it was just absurd. Oh. Like, you would know how it feels to take yourself into your uterus. Like, no. don't play at that. <laughs> um, so I understand completely what you're saying. Right, and, right. and actually, with that whole system, it ended up that I blew the whistle on it all. And it was the demise of a very large enterprise because it was, um, for some reason, a very large newspaper asked me what I thought when somebody had made a complaint. And oh um, we gosh, just really? took it all down. Well, but. You know, the, the thing is that we should speak about what we know about. Right. We can be helpful about what we, what we are in integrity with. Yes, yes. And you're very much in integrity Thank with you. your story. I, I so. walked through this. I learned this. Maybe you'll learn from it. Maybe you won't. And you'll have a laugh or two along yes, the way. Yes, I hope so. And that's <laughs> not for everyone, right? I mean, and here's yeah. the thing, too. It, you know, there are people that definitely need a divorce. It's, this book is not for them. I mean, if you trust me. Divorce, you know, God for you're in a horrible, you know, relationship. You're it's dangerous. You need to get out. Go. I'm not saying everyone should stay in, you know, a horrible marriage. I'm not saying that. But this is this is. I think you'll laugh. And you're in the book, Dr. Shaler. You're in the book. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can hardly wait. I can't. Um, <laughs> but you know what's interesting about it is that okay, you know, you you have an experience and you share it. People need options. So they might read your book. Right. Remember, everybody, you can go and get it. It'll be on Amazon. It'll be at Warren Publishing. Everywhere. It'll be everywhere. <laughs> um, and, and when, Jennifer? In February. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually on uh, pre-order right now. You can pre-order it at, okay. at Warren Publishing. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be on Amazon February 14th. There, oh, Valentine's yeah. Day. Yeah, I thought it was perfect. <laughs> yeah, it is, you know. Um, but I, th- I think when people are considering whether they should stay or go, it's important to get different points of view. And when you are in a place where there's so much anxiety and fear about should I stay, should I go, am I going to get it right, am I going to make a mistake, all of that, um, being able to inform yourself by walking through somebody else's journey can be a moment of clarity. It can be a moment of lightness as well, because I know you're going to laugh when you <laughs> written. Um, but it's an important contribution, and I'm glad that you did it. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. I do. And to hear for that from you is very uh, – thank you. It's validating. I feel yeah. like I just, I just had a little session myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's fun. And, you know, it's – if you're in the question about whether you should go or whether you should stay, you need a few lighter moments because okay. that's very heavy sledding. Oh, it sure is. And you know what else I think my book will do? It give you a little time. 
because I know that um, I vacillated. I went back and forth. I, I for uh, for year it was years that I was thinking about it, but I felt like at the last moment I jumped. And this book, I feel like if you could just read it, maybe keep it just gives you a little bit longer to breathe, just a little bit longer to say, mm, maybe one more year. <laughs> and then at that point, you get it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So hopefully we'll see. But I, Well, I really agree with that because I think people, well, of course, the population of people that I often work with, they are with hijackals. And so yeah. it's difficult. Yeah. And they are being verbally and spiritually That's, and physically mm-hmm. and mentally and emotionally abused. That breaks my and heart. maybe sexually as well. Uh, but many people don't understand that they're being verbally abused and emotionally abused. They don't like the words that are coming at them, but because they've had an early life experience where someone told them they weren't good enough, they believe that negative language that comes toward them. So they don't think, Oh, you're verbally abusing me. They're thinking, Oh yeah, I'm like that. You're right. right." Oh, it's so awful. It is. But but what happens when you're with a hijackal is all of this is power over and control. Right. So they're going to keep you as close to zero as possible, that you don't ever get a moment when you think you're wonderful, except when they want something and then they do what we call love bombing. They they remember all of a sudden, you know, and, and what they do is because they're such chameleons at the beginning of the relationship, they get you hooked on them. Because oh, they seem to know you so well, I, and they oh, seem so scary. To be a soulmate, yeah. and they're in such a rush, and they say such all the right rush. things. Yeah, right. I've had. I, I after talking to you, I I didn't know exactly the the relationship I had that was exactly like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I'm so and, glad I'm out of it. You know, so let's just say a word to everybody here because you're affirming mm-hmm. that it happens. Mm-hmm. If somebody says to you, oh, "I just know I'm going to marry you," oh God, let go. Are, my Whoa. skin is glowing. My skin right, is crawling. Right. I, I did. I believed it. I was like, oh my God, this is it. He's yeah. telling me and that it was like, a, I mean, oh my gosh, Dr. Sheila. I have a girlfriend who actually is, is dates guys that, I mean, continually that do this. And I'm like, I've told her after, I mean, she's listened to you. She's actually listened to you and now she, she knows, but I've turned around to you because she does. She's, it's a thing for her and they just come on so strong. And I'm like, listen to me. This is a red flag. This is a red flag. I mean, hmm. Good. But yeah. you know what you, you could tell your friend is that the reason that she's attracting hijackals is somewhere in her past, yes. it became something she had to adapt to that okay. is comfortably uncomfortable for her. Okay. And until people do their own work, when they find that they're attracting these people, oh. they won't notice that. And that so, yeah, there's a lot of homework. Well, own I think that's work. why I stopped because I think I did my work. I mean, I did, right. I did so much work that I figured it out because I, yeah, oh no. Yeah. I, well, my skin is crawling because I know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> well, it does make your skin crawl. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. It yeah, is. Oh, it God. is awful. I so, love talking to you, Dr. Schiller. I love it. <laughs> well, it's good fun to talk to you too, Jennifer. So, you know, if you had a last piece of advice for someone who's on mm. the should I go, should I stay thing, aside from <sighs> what you just said, which I think was extremely valuable, mm. you know, get a little help, get a little insight and see if you could stretch the time for making yes. up your mind. Anything else you'd like to share? Um, you know what? I, I, I think that um, I just, I honestly think for the kids, I think my, my biggest thing is, you know, egos, your ego can get so in the way of everything. You know, I think that, that people, they tend to let that your, your ego take over and you want to prove a point, you know? And, and I think that sometimes you have to just push your ego aside and say, look, 
it, this is not about me. This is not about you. This is, this is about our children and what's best for them. Um, and just remember, if you have kids, just put them first. Just put them first. I think everything you're doing, you need to just take a deep breath and say, I actually, when I was going through my separation, um, I would say things out loud when I was talking to my ex. I would use my kids' names so that I could remember and he could remember that we were in it for them. And it changed my, it changed my demeanor when I put them into the conversation um, instead of physical things like money or the beanbag or the artwork or the, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I just think the kids are really important. That's, that's my kind of, my takeaway. Just, you know. Beautifully said, Jennifer, because Thanks. I think that is important. You know, the well-being and the best interest of children are the two phrases that I ask people to kind of paint on the inside of their forehead when they're, when they're leaving. Yeah. Stay focused on that. Okay, if you've already made a decision to leave, then make everything that you do from that moment on in the best interest and the well-being of the children. And switch into that mode. You know, is about is what I'm about to say in the best interest of the children. Will it give the children the best information possible? And when you do that, which you so wisely say to do, I think it's very important and it allows you to heal faster because you get your priorities straight. Absolutely. You need to go somewhere else to heal. You do not use your children as your confidants or the person who needs to hear you vent or any of that. You go deal with that in therapy or with your best friend, but don't let your children be made into small adults early because they have to take on any side that you've put forward. Right. It's not it's their very problem. very important not to do that. It's not their problem. It's not. It's, they didn't ask for a divorce. No, and they don't. Well, in, in cases, of course, where there's extreme abuse, they do right. want it. But, oh, yes, they you do. know, That's it different. does put the children, even in cases of extreme abuse, in a terribly mm-hmm. difficult situation. It's because awful. if they've been, uh, if the divorce is with uh, the other person being a hijackal, mm-hmm. the hijackal then is going to try and alienate the children. Right. And right. so you have to be the one who is the bigger person yes. and you're and always trying to do that. And it feels so unfair. It's Why so do f- I always have to be the bigger right. person where that person is bad mouthing me and trying to convince the children and persuade and manipulate and lie to them about me. It is so difficult because not only are you terribly hurt and left, but then you have to be this bigger person who says, I'm not going to be like that. It's a really tall order, and I really love what you had to say, and I'm sure everybody did too. So thank you for being my guest. Oh, I just, I, I just loved being here. I loved it. Thank you for having me. Great. So my guest today, Jennifer Hurwitz. Now, you've heard some really great things, so go to jenniferhurwitz.com, and it's spelled with a U, H-U-R-V-I-T-Z.com. If you happen to be in Canada or England, H-U-R-V-I-T-Z.com. So you got that. And you can find her books. You can find information about that. You can go and listen to her podcast, Doing Divorce Right. And you can go on Amazon and pre-order her book at Warren Publishing. And pretty soon it'll be on Amazon. You can get it then. So much great information. I'm so glad that you were with me today. I hope that you will come back again and listen to this. And we will talk about great things. Take good care and talk soon. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. 
If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships, and enjoy life and relationships more, work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy.